Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am your host, as always, and joining me this afternoon is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I, I wave hello with my right hand, and if the NFL was wondering, I can also do it with my left hand. <laughs> yeah, usually we get those, uh, what if he were left-handed tweets uh, spread out. Uh, the NFL decided to do it all in one day, which is really funny. Uh, we got to see what Justin Herbert looked like if he were left-handed. Um, you know, thankfully he is right-handed. Uh, you know, it makes it look more aesthetically pleasing in my opinion, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so I've got a fun show planned for you guys today. We uh, are going to be talking about the uh, players with the most potential to be training camp and preseason stars or breakouts. So um, this is not necessarily like season breakout, like we'll do that at some point, but this is specifically talking about which players have the best chance of lighting it up during the rest of the uh, season schedule or the off-season schedule, I should say, in terms of training camp or preseason. Uh, and then we got some great questions via Twitter uh, that we'll go over as many as we possibly can today. So it uh, should be a fun off-season show. Again, apologize for the uh, poor audio quality. If it gets to that point for our audio audience, you know, this will be my last episode recording from uh, my vacation. So next week I'll be back in my usual studio space. So uh, before we get started, as always, uh, appreciate any subscribes, comments on this channel, as well as our own on the Guilty as Charged podcast. And Tyler and I, first and foremost, are fans, just like you guys. We uh, are independent content creators, uh, just, ha- just happen to be uh, creating this content via the Chargers feed. So the opinions, the opinions expressed on this show are our own and are not shared by the Chargers organization. All right, Tyler, uh, let's dive in here. We've decided to do one offensive uh, training camp preseason star and one defensive. Uh, Let's start with the offense. Who's your choice here? Yeah, so to me, a breakout training camp star is a player who, you know, might not have the highest expectations due to draft stock or or lack thereof. Maybe they're not a roster priority, but they have the capacity to exceed certain expectations and pick up buzz. And then the fans go, hey, like, that guy should make the roster, and maybe they don't, or maybe they don't contribute at all, but I think they can do more in the preseason, in the offseason, than maybe that was expected of them. Um, so to me, it's, it's a newer guy that I just watched today. That's Mike Iziki, the rookie undrafted free agent mm-hmm. tight end out of UCLA. Uh, I've tried to go through all the 18 undrafted free agents. It's a lot. It's taking a long time to get through all of them, um, but he really popped for me when I started to watch him today versus USC and versus Utah, um, another player who had a really great game against Utah. I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you watched that one, Stephen. Uh, yes. But he was actually a re- receiver for UCLA for two years, and then he switched um, two years ago to tight end. And he's really transformed his body over the last two years. Apparently, he's picked up 30 pounds, and so now he's six five, two fifty. Um, but he was asked to do a lot for UCLA for a guy that is just now switching to tight end. Granted, receiver to tight end isn't the craziest conversion, but he was asked to do a lot for UCLA, and I saw targets on, on dig routes, on, on crossers, on out routes, seam balls, on leak, um, delays, slide to the flat, wheel routes, something from the backfield. Um, I saw a comeback route, like you name it, um, in just the two games that I watched. So 106 yards and three touchdowns in those two games. And then as a blocker, I think he had so many different roles. Again, impressive for a guy who's just learning how to play tight end. So he was the point man out wide. He was in line, the H-back, fullback, etc. And I, I just think that 
the Chargers are looking for. Maybe they don't keep four tight ends, but I feel like they've always almost got there. And for some reason, it's always been like a Pac-12 tight end. A guy has really stood out, and he's almost become that fourth tight end for them. They really haven't found that guy yet. But I think his potential, Ezekiel's potential, is really, really high. And I think that Kellen Moore, especially with you know some of these later draft picks that he's had, has really done a good job of developing tight ends. And I think Kevin Coger is a very good tight ends coach. So I think when we get to training camp, we're going to see this tight end. I think fans are going to wonder, you know, who's this really big tight end? Who's this other guy? And I think he's really going to stand out the moment we hit training camp. Yeah, that's a really interesting call here. Um, you know, I thought about choosing one of the other tight ends, uh, Stone Smart, but he was on mm-hmm. the team last year. You know, we saw him make some kind of impact. So I, I, I figured tight end might be a group where we might see somebody emerge uh, in the in the fall, you know, and I think Ezekiel would be a good candidate here because there's, there's just some uncertainty behind Donald Parham. I mean, we all want Trey McKitty to work out. The team invested a, th- a third-round pick in him, but it hasn't really happened thus far. Um, I mentioned Stone Smart, you know, just some uncertainty there. You know, he hasn't been on the field enough. He's been injured already in his career. So Ezekiel does have a good chance here to, to come in and make an impact. And I think that that checks the box of like opportunity as well. Because that was, that was kind of the hard thing for me to nail down when we're talking about like a training camp preseason star. It's all about opportunity. So like last year, you and I liked, I think we both liked the running back from uh, Buffalo who played in the uh, XFL this year. I forget his name right now, but um, he, we barely saw him. You know, he did not get very many opportunities to, to carry the football. And so there's there's a bit of that difficulty of finding like okay who's going to get enough opportunities to really shine and I like I think we could have an offensive lineman in this category but someone to generate buzz I think is is tough as an offensive lineman so tight end receiver I feel like is is probably that sweet spot mm-hmm. and Ezekiel I think fits that mold of like somebody who can have a, an opportunity for a higher role than expected just because there's not a ton set in stone in front of him. Who would the offensive lineman be that you would go with? Just real quick. Uh, offensive lineman that I would go with, um, I'm not too sure, man. Jahari Branch is really interesting to me. The uh, center prospect that we've seen uh, working with the second team mm. offensive times throughout the uh, springtime because Corey Lindsay kind of gets those rest days. Um, so we haven't really seen Brendan Hymas necessarily carve out a significant role maybe Branch can kind of challenge him for that last hmm. offensive line spot. So he's somebody that I think has a, a quality, uh, some quality tape working with him and then also has an intriguing athletic background too. So um, he's, he probably would be my, my one. I know uh, potentially third string center is not necessarily a preseason breakout star though for most people. Hey, you know, I, I picked tight end five or four, whatever he is. So here we are. <laughs> All right, who's your offensive guy? Uh, my, my actual offensive guy, you know, Pokey Williams is kind of the low-hanging fruit here because he's, he's already started to gain some buzz, and one of us could certainly take him. But, um, you know, I go back to, I know fans don't, fans are kind of, you know, on either side of the fence revisiting potentially Tyron Johnson stories, right? But that mold of, like, speedy receiver who's going to get behind the defense and get some deep, shot, deep shots from Justin Herbert we've seen kind of carry some weight in, in the fall. And, and and to me, that guy could be John Hightower. And Hightower is a Boise State guy. We know how uh, Kellen Moore was a Boise State guy one time, one time in his career, obviously. Um, 
So John Hightower just fits that mold, right? You know, there's there's an opportunity in this offense without Jalen Guyton. And Jalen Guyton could return for a training camp, we don't know. Um, but John Hightower is essentially a one-for-one replacement from an athletic profile standpoint where he can push teams, push the defense vertically and, and really get in some of that work. So Pokey Williams, we've seen kind of take on some of that boundary jump ball role. John Hightower is the one for me that can kind of get over the top of defenses, get some, you know, 60-yard touchdowns in there, make the crowd go oohs and ahs and all that stuff in the stands and really start making fans and teams and media members wonder if, hey, maybe John Hightower might be the Jalen Guyton replacement. So um, mm. kind of out of the box a little bit, but Hightower is my pick here for offense. Yeah, I do think that, first of all, it is Pokey Wilson for the people that are jumping ah. in the comments section, not Williams. It's okay. Dang. Very, very close. Almost got there. Um, Wilson, Pokey Wilson, I'm sorry. No, no problem. Uh, I do think that if something happens with Jalen Guyton where he's not ready, I do think the smarter call would to be go with another player like John Hightower, who is faster, who is someone who can push, you can push the ball down the field with. Not that you can't with Pokey Wilson, but it's a different kind of vertical thing, right? You have speedster vertical threat versus like Malcolm Floyd vertical threat. I don't know how fast Malcolm Floyd was. Maybe he was fast. I don't know. But he's typically more the, the bigger body down the field sort of guy. Hightower, not small himself either way, um, is definitely a guy you can push the ball down with. And I, I do think it might mean something when it comes to roster cut decisions and whatnot that he, he has played in the NFL before. He does have hundreds of snaps. I think he has 100-something receiving yards in the NFL, which isn't a lot, but it's a lot more than some of these undrafted free agents or guys who have carved like no role for themselves thus far. So, yeah, I think that especially if Jalen Guyton is, you know, not working so well because he's injured for what, you know, he's still injured, he's coming off his injury. Yeah, I think Hightower could be someone that would really stand out in camp. And I think we even looked at with Sean, you know, there was, you know, Keenan Allen was always that guy on the inside running, you know, the out or running a corner. But there was always a guy to the boundary that was running that go ball, the outside release in that go ball. And, okay, that's probably going to be Mike Williams or Quentin Johnston. But when you start working with the second team unit, who's that guy going to be? And in 2021 with Joe Lombardi, it was pretty regularly Jalen Guyton. And so if Guyton is hurt, the next guy who would step into that role, I would think, is John Hightower. Maybe Josh Palmer. But if you want that speedier guy, and maybe Palmer is the guy who plays in the slot on the second team, you know, Hightower is that guy who will take the top off the defense, who can run that outside release. So, yeah, that's a good call there. Yeah, I'm excited about him. We didn't really see him uh, have that you know, full offseason with the Chargers. Obviously, he was a midseason pickup. So um, he's somebody I'm curious to see if he can carve out a role this year. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we'll switch to, defense, the, to the defensive side of the ball. I think for me... Um, you know, I would be inclined to at least mention Dan Henley in this piece. I don't, he's not going to be my mm. choice because he was a draft pick, right? Um, but mm. we've already seen him make, you know, some really strong impacts and practices in the spring, having, an, having uh, a couple interceptions. So he is somebody that I think will uh, be a, a training camp star, but not in the same kind of vein that we're talking about. Um, my choice is going to be Andrew Farmer, uh, the edge rusher from nice. Maine College. Um, one of the HBCU colleges, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, Chargers obviously scouted him when they went down to the HBCU combine. Um, fits the mold of what Brandon Staley traditionally likes at edge rusher in terms of physical profile. Uh, this is somebody who had, you know, 11 and a half sacks in 2021, um, seven and a half sacks this past season at Lane College. So there's, there's legit sack production there, legit pressure production. And I think when you at, at least kind of watch 
the clips that we have. Obviously, you know, HBCU film is tough to come by, but um, we've seen some clips here and there, and there's at least a clear plan for him to um, rush the passer. And I think that's something that was kind of lacking with the edge rusher group from last year um, was just kind of the ability to, you know, have a plan of attack and make an impact, uh, you know, in the, in this kind of setting. So, you know, obviously training camp is a bit tough to really gauge where pass rushers are at, but in terms of the preseason, Andrew Farmer is going to get a ton of reps, you know, obviously Thule and Chris Rumpf will get reps too, but, um, Andrew Farmer is going to have a chance to, you know, finish the second half of pretty much every preseason game. And so this is more mm-hmm. preseason than training camp. Um, but physical profile, I think, is very intriguing for Andrew Farmer. Um, you know, there's that group of, of maybe practice squad edge rushers with him and uh, Ty Shelby and Carlo Kemp. And I think I would give that edge towards Andrew Farmer right now just based off of, like, his physical profile. And I think he will have some really solid moments in training camp. Yeah, I'm really. That's a great pick, by the way. I'm really curious to see what he does end up doing because they had a really solid trio of edge rushers they could have picked from last year to maybe be that fifth edge rusher, depending on how you viewed, you know, Kyle Van Noy at the time as an edge versus linebacker. And they went with nobody. You know, they kind of just went with the guys that they had. Chris Rumpus right. was three. Um, eventually, they picked up some guys later on, but you know, all the guys that they rotated with, they didn't work with you know, until I think they needed to later in the season. Um, so someone like Andrew Farmer could come in and really be a part of that. And you talk about him as a pass rusher. I personally kind of liked him more as a run defender. Part of that is motor, and I guess that is defense, that is playing the run. But there was so much motor there, um, plenty of backside chase down. I think he does also have a nice, as a rusher, a nice bend to complement um, yeah. what he can do as a run defender. It's not consistent, but that's completely fine. And again, we're talking about an undrafted free agent here. But there are tools there, and I think that he's in a really good situation. I think every defensive lineman who joins the Chargers is in a good situation. You learn from a good coach, good coordinator, good head coach, good players. So you're in a really good situation. So I think Andrew Farmer is a really, really good call there. That's fun. I like that. Um, I'm going to go with someone else. Um, Speaking of Lane, but a completely different Lane, I am going with Raheem Lane, (laughs) the second-year safety out of Indiana who – I've loved since I, I just noticed him. And it's one of those things in training camp where you go, who's 41? Like, you forgot who that number is. You don't really know who that number is. But, you know, watching him, there was one day of practice. And this is when I figured out who he was. He, they were just doing one-on-one coverage drills. And, and DBs aren't supposed to win those. Like, maybe you have some moments. Like, Dean Leonard had some really good moments. But for the most part, you're supposed to lose those one-on-ones. It's just not realistic. The offense should win there. And yet Raheem Lane, I remember watching him, and I really feel like that's the best safety coverage I've seen on the team one-on-one outside of Derwin James. It really looked like that kind of coverage, which I know sounds like a lot, but this guy did play corner at Indiana for three years before switching to safety. So all those coverage skills, all those corner-like skills, those one-on-one skills are still there, and that really, really showed up. But... You know what makes him a real breakout candidate is he's going to have opportunities. Last year, you know, a little bit here and there, but he was always kind of that fourth guy, fifth guy. I should probably say fifth or sixth guy, because you had Alohi, you had Nas, you had J.T. Woods, Mark Webb at times. But towards the end of the season, Ryan Ficken goes, "I need to get this guy on my special teams," and so they did. Right? They elevated him to special teams. We've talked about it a bunch, but it really does mean something 
when you're a rookie undrafted free agent and you get called up ahead of draft picks at your position to play special teams and then you exceed you know expectations and you do really well with those reps so not only do you earn the trust you know and you get called up as is but then you 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 have the payoff for the coaches who believed in you and so i think that if he's a core special teamer for them moving forward i think they're going to find more ways to get him involved i think you could see him honestly as the immediate backup in terms of role maybe to derwin james jr yes alohi gilman is the safety too technically jt woods could be the safety three but in terms of playing closer to the line of scrimmage and what he can do there and that one-on-one coverage raheem lane kind of might work his way if he can beat out mark webb which he did last year um to being that guy and i think if, if he takes that next step forward i really do think it's possible again very possible a lot of ifs that we are looking at sort of the same route that Adrian Phillips took, which took many mm. years. So I'm not saying he's Adrian Phillips this year, but Adrian Phillips, right? I think he had like 30 special team snaps. And then it just slowly built from there. Yeah. And it really wasn't until a year like four or five where he really finally blossomed. But I think Raheem Lane, if he has the trust of special teams and if he can become that special teams ace, and if he keeps playing well and he's healthy, I think he's a total breakout candidate. I'm, again, I'm not saying he's Adrian Phillips this year, but I'm saying if he keeps going, I think he's a training camp star this year, and I really do think he can progress to even more than that moving forward. Yeah, I think he – so he checks both boxes for you in terms of, like, preseason breakout and potentially a season breakout thing if you're talking about somebody who could push for safety three. And I think you're right to mention that potential role behind Derwin James because – JT Woods cannot fill that like box safety kind of role. That's just not his kind of game. And there is a market for that. They drafted Mark Webb to be that potential kind of player. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the surprising thing about Lane. Cause you mentioned him as, as a former cornerback, you would expect him to have a high profile coverage uh, ability. And that's just, that's an asset of his game. But to me, like the strength of his game is being in the box. And so, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be times where, the Chargers are going to go into their dime package with six defensive backs on the field, and maybe Derwin James is out covering a receiver like he was against Keenan Allen or, or CeeDee Lamb he, like he's done in the past. Maybe he's covering a tight end. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want him playing deep in the shell packages or, and maybe kind of roaming around a little bit. And there's going to be an opportunity for, for Raheem Lane or Mark Webb. You know, In this instance, we, I think we both agree that it's probably Raheem Lane's job to lose to be that sixth defensive back, come into the box, play the run, uh, cover running backs, cover tight ends, and I think Raheem Lane uh, can have that uh, opportunity to be both a preseason breakout candidate and you know earn some safety three snaps as well uh, for the Chargers this year in the regular season. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch him. If, if what he did in the regular season on special teams is a sign of things to come, and if he can keep that going through the entire season, like you know, there, I'm just I'm just very excited about him because there's just something there. There's a spark there. There's something unique there. I think he could do something special. Yeah, I agree. Um, if nothing else, I mean, he's going to cover out a role on special teams again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see him, you know, make an impact in that regard. All right, Tyler, uh, before we jump into questions, anybody else you want to mention here as, you know, maybe one other name to keep an eye on? Um, you kind of hit Pokey Wilson, obviously. I think we do have to mention that because he's been out there. Some people, it depends on your definition of breakout candidate. Um, I do think that you could say that Chris Rumpf is kind of a training camp breakout candidate because I, I think we're forgetting that like he might be pushed away because of Thule being the draft pick. But 
we have seen that the Chargers sometimes can take their time with younger players. And Chris Rump, in theory, is taking another step forward this year. And, you know, I asked Morgan Fox about this, and we've seen the data for this. Their most successful four-man group in terms of pressure rate involved Chris Rumpf. Um, actually, their best two groupings involved Chris Rumpf, although it only was like 25 snaps together or whatever it was. But there is something there. So I think that he's a potential one if you kind of change your definition. Um, I would potentially say Foster Serrell out there as well, um, which would be a lot and be huge for this team. The Chargers want him to be, right, because he's their swing tackle right now, depending. He's at least their pure swing tackle right now. We'll see what they do with Sawyer, with McFadden, et cetera. But I think that the Chargers, I think they can develop offensive linemen pretty well. I think they've shown that they can, you know, get the most out of a lot of these guys. But then you also have the Duke Manyweather factor in there. You do have the fact that Kellen Moore's offense is hopefully better suited to offensive line progression and development than someone like maybe Joe Lombardi, where they just had the most dropbacks in the league every single game against Nick Bosa. Like, that's not great for Foster Serrell, but... If you can take some of that pressure off, I think that would be really helpful for him. So potentially him as well. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, the other name that I thought about mentioning uh, along the defensive line is Chris Hinton. Um, mm. uh, again, we saw him make an impact uh, during the season down the stretch when the Chargers had a lot of defensive tackle injuries. Um, but there's a chance that we don't see it Otito, Ogbonia, and or Austin Johnson uh, throughout training camp, right? Like there's going to be an opportunity for Chris Hinton, for Gerard Clark, for um, the rest of these other defensive linemen behind uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Morgan Fox to get some meaningful snaps. And we've seen, you know, Brandon Fajoko, Forrest Merrill, um, Cortez Broughton in the past couple of years be able to carve out some buzz in in that regard. And so um, Chris Hinton is my name to watch there. I know there's a lot of love for Gerard Clark out there, but Chris Hinton is kind of their... Uh, he fits their mold of somebody who can do a bit of everything as somebody who can mm. defend a run and run, rush the passer. Uh, I mean, there were a couple snaps against the Colts where he put Quentin Johnson in, or, uh, excuse me, Nelson? not Quentin Johnston, <laughs> Quentin Nelson, uh, in a blender a little bit against the Colts in, on Monday Night Football. So um, Chris Hinton is definitely somebody that I am uh, circling, you know, for the rest of the summer months here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, that's exciting. Another coach at Jade Rogers pairing there to help coach him up. So that's, I mean, again, if you're on the defensive line, you've got great coaches around you. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, Tyler, let's get to some of these questions here. Again, thank you to everybody who sent us some questions on Twitter. We'll do that uh, from time to time, you know, over the next few weeks. Um, obviously, going to be a little bit tougher to do this during the season when we have uh, legitimate things to talk about every single week. But um, wanted to get some of your guys' uh, pressing questions here. We'll try and get to as many as we possibly can. Uh, we'll probably take about 20 minutes here to get to some of these. So uh, first one here we have is from Eugene. Uh, he says, if J.C. Jackson is healthy for training camp and ready for week one, what do you think the chances are that Ja, ja Jasir Taylor, actually beats out Asante Semi Jr. for the starting slot role? Yeah, this is the uh, interesting one. I, I tweeted this out and discussed this, and people were like, "What? Well, how is that possible? Okay, is Asante Samuel Jr. the better corner? I believe so. Is Asante Samuel Jr. the better defensive back? I believe so. Is Asante Samuel Jr. definitely, in the eyes of the Los Angeles Chargers and Brandon Staley, the better slot corner than Jaw Taylor? I actually don't know if that's as close. It's definitely not as close to a yes. 
I'm not entirely sure that they feel that way. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. has been, even in just in brief moments, benched two years in a row. In 2021 as a rookie, which is fine. It happens. I think everybody got benched. And last year, okay, a lot of guys got benched too in the defensive backfield. But he wasn't necessarily benched as much as we don't really want you to be out here playing the run. And so we're going to put in Jaw Taylor instead. And we've talked about this a lot, but like the slot has to play the run quite a bit. If you're a slot corner, you're going to be playing the run quite a bit. And the charges have shown and Brandon Staley's shown. We don't really want you on the field right now in those situations. Now, can you improve there? Absolutely. Granted, he's not the biggest guy, but we just saw Michael Davis have the best year of his career against the run, like significantly better than it ever has been. So it's possible Asante Samuel Jr. could get better there. But as it pertains to playing the run, I think they might want Jaw Taylor there in the slot. Again, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is the better corner. I probably would put him out there anyway because I think he's the better corner and the better defensive back. But in the eyes of Los Angeles Chargers and in Brandon Staley's eyes, it's possible that Jaw Taylor is the better slot corner for them. And so I'm, I'm giving this a 50-50 shot. I think both guys have skill sets that are, are a little bit different, um, their strengths that are a little bit different. So I'll say it's about 50-50. I don't know if I'm going to go 50-50, but Jasir Taylor is going to play for this team. Like I think people sure. are you know, penciling Asante Samuel Jr. in as the like, 100% he's going to play and be the starting slot corner. And I don't agree with that. So I'm probably in between your 50-50 and like the consensus mm-hmm. because I do think Jasir Taylor is going to play. I think part of that is what you're talking about with run defense and also Jasir Taylor's ability to uh, bring pressure off of the edge at times and, and be a, an effective blitzer. You know, Bryce Callahan was a great pickup for the Chargers last year, but I think his two weaknesses are run defense and blitzing. I don't think those are strengths of his game. Um, so do the Chargers want to run that back, essentially, with Asante Samuel Jr., where your slot corner is almost strictly a coverage slot corner it doesn't really seem like that's the plan. I, I think they would have simply brought Bryce Callahan back if they wanted to do that with Asante. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be an opportunity for Jasir Taylor to earn that kind of role. I don't think he's going to be a three-down player. Um, we know how much Brandon Sadie wants to play in the nickel formation almost exclusively. Um, but I, I do agree with you that there is definitely a role for Jasir Taylor to carve out with mm-hmm. run defense with blitzing. And I think that's a significant role, right? Like I think that's and almost a starter. Like it's so interesting to me if JC is healthy, the kind of flexibility that you have with the three of them, because Michael Davis is almost strictly an outside corner. I think they kind of experimented with him uh, last off season, you know, giving him some safety snaps and things like that, but he's almost exclusively a, an outside corner. JC Jackson has logged uh, around 400 snaps in the slot when he was in New England. So he's shown the ability to do that. So if JC is healthy, you could you could start with JC and Michael Davis on the outside and Jasir Taylor on the inside. And then you swap Asante in for Jasir. Maybe that maybe he plays the slot. Maybe JC comes into the slot. Asante goes back out wide. So you have a lot of flexibility there, but I think definitely there's going to be a bigger rotation than people are expecting at this point in time. I think Asante Samuel Jr. has done a lot of great things for this Chargers team, um, especially in coverage. I think he has that that ball hawk mentality to come in and change games. We've seen that several times, whether that was against the Colts, whether that was against the Raiders in Week 1, whether that was against the, the Commanders last year in Week 1. And we've seen him be 
such an effective coverage player, but that run defense weakness is real, and I think that gives an opportunity for Jossier Taylor to carve out a role, and mm-hmm. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's the truth, man. I think there's going to be a four-man rotation if JC is healthy this year at corner. Yeah, again, I, I would lean, I would love Asante Samuel Jr. out there, starting slot all the time. I think of you know, years ago with like Desmond King, the pick six against the Cowboys, pick six against the Seahawks. You know, like that sort of stuff is also really needed out there too. And like you said, ball hawk with Asante Samuel Jr., that's his thing. Um, as far as rotation goes, we'll see. I think this is the most notable storyline overall, like these four DBs. I think it's the most intriguing part of camp, to be completely honest. Yeah, and... I'm curious if they maybe experiment a little bit with Jasir at safety to try and get him out mm. there. Because if you're talking about like your dime package, your best six DBs, like I think it's Derwin and Alohi and then these four corners. I really do. So, you know, somebody's going to have to cross train somewhere. Um, maybe they want to get Jasir Taylor out there that much. But um, I'm excited for Jasir, man. I really am higher on him than a lot of people seem to be. I think he has a very bright future ahead of him as, as that slot corner kind of player. Um, so I think we're both on the same page there. Um, second question here, this is from Gibby. Uh, Gibby says, what off-season changes slash additions so far have demonstrated the ability to make a major difference? What can we hope on, for on the defensive side against the run? So I, I think this is more geared towards defensive changes um, mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about Kellen Moore, so obviously I think that, to me, would qualify for this question. But um, let's focus in on the defensive side of things here. Tyler, what, how would you respond to this question in terms of uh, big additions on defense that would maybe kind of give us some hope against the run in particular? Yeah, I think that's Thule. I think the power that he displays against the run, it'll take some time for him, I think, to develop as a pass rusher and, and sure, as a run defender. But what he can do immediately, even at 20 years old, He's used the power in his hands, the motor, to at least play the run. And I think in that regard, I think you can improve the run defense. I think just having that option behind Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, hopefully they're all healthy. But I think as soon as one of those guys went down, it's okay, let's run to the side of the third string guy because they just weren't as strong against the run. And that's fine. Not everybody's you know, a run defender kind of type. I think Thule right now can definitely do that for them. Um, I also think just the switch... We'll see, but I think the switch early to Alohi Gilman um, and to be your safety two right now instead of Nasir Adderley, I think is going to pay off in terms of the run. You know, sometimes last year it really wasn't the, the they, it's not that they gave up five yards of carry, four yards of carry, whatever it was. It was the 50 yard killers, the 40 yard killers. And there was a stretch there between like week two and week seven or whatever it was, where every single week it was 40 or 50 yards and you always saw Nasir Adderley just not being able to get there. The rest of the defense, too, of course, but I think with Alohi Gilman, you're hoping at least you can put a lid on some of those. So I think those two changes are pretty important. Yeah, and we talked about Jasir's role there as well. I think there, there's definitely some uncertainty with this question, but theoretically, the Chargers have upgraded their run defense from the slot, their run defense from their edge three, their run defense at linebacker one with Eric Kendricks, I think that's a pretty clear upgrade in terms of run defense from what they had last year with Drew Tranquil, but, um, you know, and then Alohi Gilman as well. So I think there's a lot of unsettled potential there. The other thing that I would bring up too is that Morgan Fox is a very underrated run defender. You know, we've, we've seen him have some mm. really strong moments down the end of last season against the run. 
And at this time last year, he was heading into a 50-50 split with Jerry Tillery for that kind of third defensive tackle spot. This year, that's going to be settled. That's, that's his job. They paid him a lot of money to stick around. Rush the passer, obviously, first and foremost. But his run defense is a clear upgrade as well. And so there's definitely some areas of concern. Obviously, you know, the health of Austin Johnson is probably the biggest question mark there. Because mm. you, know, you and I have talked about him being so good down uh, to start the season last year for the Chargers. Um, but theoretically, you look at the third defensive tackle spot, the linebacker spot, the third edge rusher spot, and that line of scrimmage part as, as potentially clear upgrades. So I understand the Chargers didn't like go out and make a big splash like they did two years ago when they got Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. But in theory, <laughs> I know that's not what everybody likes to hear, but in theory, the Chargers' run defense should be better next year than mm-hmm. it was this past season. Things just have to kind of you know, click into place here when it, with health and rotational pieces kind of earning those roles. But I think from a personnel standpoint, it's not a huge upgrade, but the Chargers didn't really need to do that. They just needed like solid pieces to come in and earn those roles. And I think that will happen. So I'm not predicting like best run defense in the league, but if everybody stays relatively healthy, I think this can be at, at worst like a top 20 run defense, which is, you know, I think a nine spot upgrade from last year. Yeah, it's, it feels like special teams for us, right? And, hey, we, we, we kept joking. We just want in the best part of the 20s, you know? And say so we end up with, what, top 10 or whatever it ended up being for the Chargers on special teams. So, yeah, I'll take it. I think health is big. Uh, Morgan Fox talked about he just, I mean, honestly, he just knew his roles more. They kind of found a way to work him better. He gained some, like, positive weight throughout the season to get better against the runs. So just stuff like that I think will help. I think going into year two, Everyone, for the most part, like gets their roles. They have a defined role, and even like Kendricks, who who's a newer piece to this team, like his role is clearly defined. I think that the Chargers, there were so many incoming pieces last year. What do I do? Who does this? Is Kyle Van Noy a linebacker? Is he our edge rusher? Is this guy healthy? Oh, there goes Joey Bosa. Yeah, I think this year, and again, praying for health, the roles are so much more defined. I think they'll be much better just naturally. Yeah, that too. And I think, you know, another year in this system, I think, should help alleviate some of those. Because a lot of the big explosive runs that you're talking about, a lot of it was just like poor alignment issues with the secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes the linebackers kind of not adjusting to what was happening. Like the the James Robinson run from the third week of the season, right? Like the the Mm -hmm. Jaguars had like four bodies over to the left and the Chargers (laughs) defense never adjusted. And it was just like the easiest 50-yard run you'll ever see. So... I'm hopeful that another year in the system with these guys and Eric Kendricks kind of coming over can, can clean some of those things up as well. Mm-hmm. All right, third question here uh, from E-Wing Fighter Pilot, one of the longtime supporters of the show, so appreciate him. Uh, he's, he asks, we were 10-7 and 7 last year. Surely with an upgrade at offensive coordinator, that's worth at least one win. And he says, speed and depth at wide receiver is worth another win. And healthy... Team and a healthy team is worth another win. So he wants to know if it's reasonable for us to see the Chargers go 13 and four uh, this upcoming season in 2023. So I think this is uh, probably the more optimistic side of things, and I understand like this is part of that off season. I, I will point out obviously that last year the Chargers were one and seven against playoff teams. They handled their business against teams they should have won. And that should be commended because that's been a weakness in the past. Um, You know, they had an easier schedule last year than they will this year. So that's the first thing that I'll point out. 
It's not just a one-for-one swap here because the Chargers are going to have a much more difficult schedule this year. There's fewer games against teams that they should definitely win against um, with a more difficult schedule. Um, But Tyler, how would you respond to this question outside of the schedule differences? That's how I would respond to it, to be completely honest. But okay. No, I, I, I mean, seriously, though, like I get the upgrades for the Chargers. Like There should be a better team. They are, I think, a better team. They have plenty of depth now for the most part. But the rest of the NFL gets better, too. Like The Chiefs got a lot better on defense. Let's not forget about that. It's possible the Broncos are a better team. The Raiders are not so great, but, you know, uh, things could work out for other teams. But... It's just, the schedule is so much more difficult for the Chargers this year, and it, there's not that stretch of Baker Mayfield, Rams, Nick Foles, Colts, and that sort of thing. Ryan Tannehill on one right. foot. No, there Marcus might Mariota. be. Yeah, yeah. So I can't really go out and predict, you know, that the Chargers are going to go 13 and four because of the rest of the NFL, right? Yes, the Chargers got better, but so did a lot of the NFL, and so did their schedule. Their schedule is tough, and then just. As it is, as a Chargers fan, we know. Listen, I could go through every game and pitch to you several ideas and reasons why they're going to beat every single team. I can tell you why they're going to beat the Mac Jones-led Patriots. And yet, are we picking them to beat the Patriots? I don't know. You know, I could pitch you 20 ways they'd beat the Broncos in Denver the last 10 years. And yet here we are wondering why the heck they can't win in Denver. So it just... Naturally, as a Chargers fan, it's whatever I think they can do, minus one for a game that they should have won, minus probably another one for health reasons. So I think like 11 and like if they go 11 and six, I genuinely think that's a good season and a step forward, like maybe even a big step forward. Maybe depends on who they beat and how they do it. I think 11 and six, even though that didn't seem like a lot in the record, I think that does mean a lot. And that does mean positive momentum heading into the postseason which is where it matters anyway. Yeah, I mean, when we did our game-by-game uh, prediction a few weeks ago, we, we both settled on 11-6, and six, different games, obviously, in there as wins and losses. But I, I think Ewing is definitely right about the improvement, right? Like, I think we can all agree that Kellen Moore is going to be an upgraded offensive coordinator. I mean, we just had the, the show this week, earlier this week, with Sean Syed. And, you know, it's impossible for me to, like, contain my excitement about the offensive side of the football and Justin Herbert being healthy and Quentin Johnson. Like, I think the, that unit can carry this team to a special, special season. You know, does that translate to 13-4? and four? I'm not sure yet. I think because of where the, the Chargers play in the AFC and in the AFC West, it's hard for me to really get to 13 wins for this team. But the, the potential is there, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there's just some other things that would have to click together for this team to really get me to 13 wins. So I think we'll see 10, 11 wins, maybe 12, um, depending if some, some bounces of the football, but we'll feel much better about this team heading down the stretch than we did than, than last year. If everybody stays healthy, I think, you know, there was some doubt in a lot of our minds about really how good that team was. Um, you know, you look at statistics like DVOA and EPA per play, they were not a 10-win team. You know, that's a team that traditionally wins kind of maybe eight games, maybe nine. So, you know, the schedule really boosted their, their win total last year. This year, the schedule is going to be much more difficult. So I think the potential for the Chargers to have a truly special season is, is there, 100%. Um, whether or not that seeps into me predicting 13-4, and four, I think is another story. 
Yeah, for me, it also just starts with the Chiefs. So what do I, what, what do you, Ewing, or what do I think the Chiefs' record is going to be? I think it's better than the Chargers. So what is their record? 15 and who? Then if the Chargers are 13 and four, you know, like, I, I just yeah. think that the Chiefs are realistically maybe like, I don't know, 14 and three or whatever it is. Um, 13 and four. I hate these new numbers. It used to be so much easier, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying doing math right here right now. Um, I, You're I just a science teacher. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I took biology for a reason. Um, <laughs> we, uh, what was I even talking about? Anyway, I think the Chargers are maybe like a game or two below the Chiefs. So if you say that the Chiefs are, or Chargers are 13 and four, then the Chiefs might have had one of the greatest regular seasons ever. Yeah, um, it's it's just it sucks, man. We're we're the team behind the current dynasty right now in, in the division. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's really tough for me to like get on board with like yeah, like we're, the Chargers are going to win 13, 14 games. It's like oh, they're like the Chiefs are a better team. They have they they are as much as we want to think otherwise. I think. The Chargers have the potential to have lightning in a ball strike this year and you know get to those 14 wins and win the division. Absolutely. It can happen every single year. Mm-hmm. But it's just the, the realistic part of me can't really see that happening. So, um, again, the offense is going to be so much better this year than it was last year, 100%. Um, I don't know if that's going to translate to winning the division and 13-14 wins. Yeah. All right, next question here, potentially our last one here. Um, this is from Robert. He says, is there a chance that Bosa and Mac break the all-time sack record for a duo? It currently sits at 39. He wants to know, will they break that 40 barrier? Or is Dolman and Millard's record safe? So I, I think Dolman and record, their record has come dangerously close to uh, being broken over the past couple of years. I want to think like Alden Smith and Jason Smith came close one year. Um, obviously, Joey Bosa has not surpassed his uh, career high of 12 and a half that he set as a rookie. It's been some time since Khalil Mack has had uh, more than 12 sacks as well. Uh, So Tyler, what kind of potential are you setting for Joey and Khalil as, as a duo heading into 2023? I I think the sacks almost don't even matter to be completely honest. It's always, at least for Joey Bosa been the the per play stats. 39 is, is the record. So 40 to break it. I think they've both, their best years if you combine them i think they were under 30 combined so it would be a big jump for them so do i think they get it not necessarily and honestly i think that i I hope that they keep these guys fresh enough where the sacks don't really matter right we really want the per play stats to look good to be good i want them to be healthy they started last season i think 80 percent of the snaps they were out there that's a little bit much so hopefully they kind of peel things back just a little bit um yeah, 40s a lot. It'd be great. Um, that would be one of the most fun seasons if they do that. But I think I think 40 is out of reach. I, I'd say like a, a good 16, 17 each would be really, really nice. And I think realistic because of, you know, them individually, maybe not so much. But together, you saw it against the Raiders. It looked like it was magical. So I think if they're healthy, then, yeah, I think 35 should be reachable. 40 is a whole like another jump that I don't know if they'll be able to reach. We'll see. Yeah, 40, I think, is probably too much. Um, you know, at this time last year, I was doing my Joey Bosa rewatch of the 2021 season. Um, and before the season, I predicted a 17-sack season from Joey Bosa. Uh, obviously, he gets injured. That didn't come to fruition. 
But I do think that there's a chance for Joey to have a career season this year. You know, being fully healthy for the first time, being able to come in with a full off season, and, and Khalil gets the same kind of conversation too, right? Because Khalil was coming off the foot injury at this time last year. He was not working with the team in the spring. Um, he was still working his way back from from the foot surgery that ended his 2021 season with the Bears, which ultimately led to his trading to the Chargers. Um, so I, I think the potential for Joey to have a career high season is is definitely there. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. him have these great seasons alongside Melvin Ingram and obviously uh, Uchenna Nwosu in that mix as well in 2018. Um, so I, I think Joey can definitely have a career high season still. I know people are, are kind of down on him after the way the season ended, but um, Joey's one of the best edge rushers in the league still, in my opinion. Um, I'm hopeful that the goal for Khalil Mack in 2023 is more geared towards efficiency in the per play stats because mm. I think he was kind of worn down in the middle of the season without Joey Bosa um, and Kyle Van still kind of trying to figure his his role out. So I'm hopeful that Tuli Tuipolotu brings a greater efficiency for Klumak, keeps him a little bit more fresh, um, but then obviously would bring the, the sack total down. So um, I think the potential is there for these two to be dominant this season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does it lead to 40 sacks? That's probably a little bit much for me. I think we, right now, if I had to like predict, I would say we probably see Joey hit like around 15. Khalil mm-hmm. maybe gets back to 10 for the first time in a couple seasons. And I think with 25-ish, maybe 30, if everything goes right, I think you feel great about that season for the two of them. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And again, they're... What they do on the field goes so much beyond just the sacks, right? It's the pressures, it's the ability against the run, it's the double teams, it's the stunts, and et cetera. So it doesn't really matter to me at the end of the day if they get 40 or not, although it'd be great if they did. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I do think that people are going to remember what these two look like when they're both healthy, mm-hmm. when they both have a full off season, when they both have a running mate who can properly take attention away from the other one. Um, Obviously, both of them have to stay healthy this year, which is so crucial for this team to reach their potential. But uh, I'm 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 optimistic that these two play the majority of their season together this year. Yeah, me too, man. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. Like I said earlier, make sure and subscribe to the Chargers channel here. Make sure and send us over at the Guilty as Charged podcast channel a subscription as well. And uh, let us know what you guys think in the comments. Who's your preseason breakout potential star candidate? Who? What do you think of, of our predictions here on, on this show? And as always, uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We're hopefully working in an interview with a high-quality guest on our next show. But we'll uh, keep you guys posted there. Um, all right, appreciate Tyler. Appreciate uh, Greg Kim and Ben Chernoff for uh, producing the show today. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, hold on.